Start. It's recording now, just so you know, everything that you say has been recorded and it can be used against you in a court of law. Okay. <laughs> <laughs> you, have the right, you have the right to remain silent. Anything you say can and will be used against you in the court of law. It was a little intimidating. It, yeah. it can be. Um, well, I usually find that the most intimidating part is that I have this device that looks like a big penis in my mouth. You're not unused to that. <laughs> no. In fact... <laughs> So this is number 31? Three. 33? I think it's 33. The lucky 33, like Rolling Rock? I could be wrong, but I think it's episode 33. That's that Rolling Rock beer number. Did you ever drink Rolling Rock beer? You mean from Latrobe? Yeah. You mean the, the stuff in the green bottle that's I'm, not Heineken? I'm probably going <laughs> to insult some people, but that shit sucks. <laughs> and listen, I like cheap beer. I'm a big fan of cheap well, beer. Speaking of, but, so Rolling Rock reminds me, um, so MGD... Rolling Rock, and then back in the day, um, the Ice Beers, yeah. and then the Zimas, right? Like, I don't know if you remember this being in high school, but when you first were able to grab a drink and yes. like steal one out of a refrigerator, yes. you got the cap, and you'd put it on your hat, you'd put a quarter in the back and just squeeze a little bit and it would stay on there. No, I don't know that one. <laughs> uh, so, so you could have like a homemade button on your hat with these beer caps, and like, I mean, it was just like, you know, it was like, hey, look what I drank this weekend, yeah. you know? like Status. It was status, man. Your status is the maddest. And at one point in time, actually, Zima status was not what it is today. No, it really wasn't. And <laughs> right? I'm going to tell you why. Because that's the shit that you could steal. Yeah. <laughs> and when you had that opportunity at the age of uh, 21, because we don't condone underage drinking. Right? Exactly. Right. So when you're able to do that, you didn't drink one or two or three. Yeah. You drank 12. Yeah. With Jolly Ranchers in it. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. And... You, you know what? So I, I did buy beer underage one time, which again, I, we don't condone this. No, not at it all. It was just a test to see if I could do it, and I returned it promptly after. Right, and apologized <laughs> in full. But like, I was so nervous. I walk in. I, I lived like maybe a mile from the Ohio border, and there was a town there, and um, it was just a podunk town. And um, I walk in, and I grab the first thing I could find, which should have been the dead giveaway right away. I grabbed Genesee cream ale. <laughs> I love I love Jenny cream ale. I love it. But but you know what? As, as a teenager, there's no way that a teenager is buying that beer. That's right. It's That's like right. What, what, no, 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 he would have gone for the Bud Light if he was, uh, of course, you know, if he was a beer or drinker. Miller Light or you know, yeah. the good beer. The, yeah. Hey, uh, word from our sponsor, <laughs> Old Milwaukee. <laughs> it's beer. It's beer. It's good, it's good enough. <laughs> so, hey, we've got Jeff and Jeff. This is episode. Epi- episode. <laughs> Up, guys. It's episode 33. <laughs> Galena's got a list. It's been all morning. Hey, super. I mean, it's been all morning. I, I couldn't I get it. a word out at all. I love that you got a list. But we also got the Podfather in the house. We do have the Podfather. Podfather Pat. <laughs> Podfather Pat. <laughs> and then, uh, what do we got here? We've got a, uh, a longtime listener, first time caller here <laughs> on the episode today. Yeah. We have Miss Kathy Savage. Cat. Well, it's Kathy, the Savage. Yeah. Savage. Savage. <laughs> yeah. 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 And she's with us today on the podcast. Hi, Kathy. Say hi to everybody. Good morning. Good morning. Good morning. Yeah. It's this always awesome. great to have a guest on here because then you know I don't know we might bring some level of intelligence to the episode. Yeah. That previously wouldn't have existed. And you know what I love about having people watch you what you do? 
as I noticed that that you get a little pep in your step. I do get a little pep. You know, like when you're playing the bass, like you start to show off just a little bit, and I, I love it. I have to. Maybe throw an extra beat in there. That's right. I love it. Maybe a little slap. I do a little do a little slap. Hey, speaking of which. Speaking of which, we had a show this this past uh, weekend. Where were you? And uh, Alina wasn't there. We missed you. Well, uh, unfortunately, I got the babysitter for Saturday night, which um, I had intended to go to the show. And I saw on Friday somebody posted, "Hey, who's going to the show?" And it was Kathy. I raised my hand, and then I saw it was Friday night. And I was like, "Well, we got the babysitter for the wrong night." And you put your hand down. I did. Loser. And Kathy we'll, was there. It was awesome. Pat mm-hmm. was there in spirit. He uh, he insisted that the uh, the bartender throw a drink in my face. What does he's, that mean? Personal friends. With, oh, with really? Mm-hmm. Yeah. That's one of your homies. Yeah. There. But what Pat nice. doesn't know is that she's one of my homies too. So <laughs> it all. Uh, you have mutual homies. Yeah, we do, and uh, it didn't go well. You want some <laughs> coffee, Pat? No, I'm good. It's it's brewing, man. Okay, I'll go. <clears throat> Colin, well, no, I'll, let, let me get it. Okay. No. <laughs> So anyway, so yeah, we've got uh, we've got Kathy here, and Kathy is um, a student of Brazilian Jiu Jitsu. She is a six AMer. You know, so she's yeah. in, but she's not just a six AMer. She's in usually about twenty four hours a day, seven days a week <laughs> at yeah. uh, at the academy. <laughs> I, I'm pretty sure she has a life. She has a husband and kids and a job, and I've never personally seen it. But yeah. I'm, I'm told that she has these things. I, I've seen the this husband. Is, this is, in fact, like one of the rare times I've seen Kathy without a gi. Yeah. <laughs> this is true. She came in and I was like, you took a shower. It's weird. This weird. <laughs> I don't I understand. Mean, um, but she does have a husband. I, I saw him. The I've, last I've promotion. Uh, yeah, he, he swang through. Yeah, and she does. She has a ring on. Yeah. I mean, I've seen him a couple times. He put times. a ring on it. He's a super nice guy. I'm just, I just, I'm just going to throw it out there. Can you rent husbands? Because I'm pretty sure <laughs> I'm pretty sure he's a rental. If I were going to rent one, that's the one. Well, I'm here's the question, in. though, because you know we're going to get into some of your background, but your husband does not have the same background. No. So who wins in a fight? Oh. <laughs> so for our listeners, she's not answering that. That's, that is smart. Already, Kathy's way smarter than both of us combined. And I'm going to tell you what, like Kathy, uh, Kathy is a purple belt in Brazilian Jiu Jitsu, yeah. and she also holds a black belt and uh, two other martial arts, or just one. It's you hold a, a second degree in. Yeah, it's a combination of Taekwondo and Hapkido and Judo, okay. and yeah, I got my first degree black belt, and then two more years of training, I got my second degree black belt in that style. Sweet. So, okay, so we just, yeah, we guess we want to get into the into the meat and potatoes here. Yeah. So we start talking to you a little bit about your background and why we have you on the show today. Um, and I think the, the I think for our listeners, um, I mean, everybody that, primarily everybody listens to the show knows of you, if they don't know you personally, because Kathy is sort of institutionalized at the academy. She's there all the time. She teaches. She's a student. I mean, there's a rare time that you don't go to the gym and Kathy's not there. Yeah. So yeah. why don't you just give us a little bit of background? I, I, w- part of this today is like bringing in another dangerous damsel. And we've had Monica on the show here last year, mm-hmm. and we wanted to bring you in and, and get your perspective on, you know, sort of your journey in jujitsu um, and martial arts in general, but also your career and how this is like sort of influenced your life on a whole. Because remember that this podcast is about, you know, how do, how do the lessons that we've learned in martial arts, in our, in our case, Brazilian jiu-jitsu, apply to, you know, real life? So why don't you do us a favor 
do us a favor, Kathy. And introduce yourself. And introduce yourself and give us a, just a little bit of background about like, you know, sort of where you came from, how you got started in martial arts, um, and then and with like, you know, what do you do for a living also? Or you can start with where uh, you can do whatever you want, because I'm not your mom. <laughs> you don't you look nothing like my mom. I know. Um, yeah, I've been I, I first of all, I you guys are gonna be really surprised by this, but I was never athletic. What? I know. Right? Bull. I, I disagree. I'm never did a sport, never did anything athletic in my life. I so what did you do just, when you were a kid? I, um, I read books. Uh, I, I like to be in the woods. Like I like to go hiking and you know do things like that, but that's not really like Dork. playing a sport. or Yeah, exactly. Dork. So yeah, I lived <laughs> this a This nerd theme's going hard. Right, yeah, yeah. Well, so, okay, so you uh, like to read books? Do you like to the, like the, be in the woods? Yeah, <laughs> yeah. And just you, no sport, no competitive athletic right. uh, physical ability whatsoever. So um, yeah, when my, my kids... I you know three boys. So what do you do with boys? I have no idea. You put them in sports. You put them yeah. in all the sports. So my boys played all the sports, and one of the sports was martial arts. And um, so they were training in this uh, Korean style. And you know I'm there with my book. So sitting on the bench with the other parents reading a book and whatever. And occasionally other people come over and say, hey, you know, there's an adult class at the same time as this, like we do to people at jujitsu sure, when they bring their kids. We say, hey, you yeah. know, you should train too. And um, yeah, eventually somebody convinced me to give it a try. And it was funny, the thing that kept me from trying it for the longest time, I, I would watch the adult class, and one of the nights of the week, usually on a Wednesday night at the time, they don't do that as much anymore, but uh, they would have grappling. And I would watch that and say, oh, hell no. So I am not doing that. Yes. No, it was the grappling that scared me away from training. Probably for a year, I just kind of watched it. Let's just talk about that a minute, because I, you know, I, I, I think I brought this up to you last week. I, I struggle with the idea of like convincing people to come out and try it, mm -hmm. and and really, like we always say that you know your first class is free. We just just come and try it one mm -hmm. time. And I've heard anything from like, oh, I would laugh my whole way through it, mm -hmm. or nah, I'm not really healthy enough. Like you know, I'm concerned about this or that. Sweat. And, you know, people yeah, sweating. sweating. Yep. I've heard. I don't really want to get my ears all ground up on people. Mm -hmm. um, I'm not a I'm not a people person. I don't like to hug or be close like that. I don't like to be mm -hmm. touched. Yeah. Like. What what's that like, you know, when you were coming in? Yeah, I mean that that part of it just was really scary to me, and it turned out that's not really a very big part of the training over there at all. I just happened to be there on the night that yeah. the one instructor liked to just have them grab, and there was no real grappling instruction. It was just something to you know. One of the real nice things about that school is you you get in top physical condition training there and yeah. that was one of the things that that i got out of that once i got over my my fear and i started training um so what was it what was it that pushed you over the edge that you decided that you're going to start training in martial arts don't know i guess i don't know you just get to that point in your life where you need something yeah and and at the time i was working a little bit but mostly i was a stay-at-home mom okay. and i was there with the kids all the time and everything and I, I had other you know adult friends i was getting to know and everything and they got me to try a class and i really liked it and i had some weight to lose and you know just kind of i needed a hobby yeah. so um so yeah i started training and um yeah i got bit by the bug and uh, uh, the rest <laughs> is history i was 39 and um I just really, really got into it. So, you know, you joke about how I'm, I'm a fixture at the jiu-jitsu school. I was, they, they were joking about setting a cop, cot up for me in the back room there because I was there. <laughs> Honestly, the, the year before I got my black belt, 
I was training at least 20 hours a week. Like wow. I was there. Holy cats. Yeah, uh, yeah. I mean, I was I was there for the morning classes, the afternoon classes, the evening classes, the kickboxing classes, the sparring classes, and then I came in on the weekends and and trained one on one with people, and you know, just tried to. Hey, where Pat go? Things. I don't know what he happened went to, to get Pat. coffee, and he never came back. Pat, did you get lost there, buddy? <laughs> Here he did. comes, the, so, pod, the pod father. <laughs> so let me ask you this, Kathy. I mean. <laughs> 20 hours a week is a lot of, that's a lot of time yeah. in the, in the uh, gym. I was in good shape. Yeah. <laughs> I was in better shape so than I am did, now. Was that part of like, was that part of like the process you, you started like to understand yourself physically better and you yeah. liked it? Like that was something that you wanted it, to keep up? It was so addictive. It was, it was really addictive. addictive. And I think also not being naturally athletic. I, I've always had it in my mind since I, I started doing this, that um, I need to work twice as hard to be as ha- half as good as my peers. And um, so I was in there working twice, uh, twice as hard, just trying to be half as right. good. Right. Um, you know, it didn't come naturally to me. It was really challenging for me. Not only the, the physical strength and, and um, agility and everything that, that I was looking for, but also just learning how to learn and, mm-hmm. and how to memorize the moves and how to make my body move the way I wanted it to move. Um, it was good for all of that stuff. I mean, even just like the open hand kata where you're just doing strings of, you know, these long chains of movements, forms that you have to memorize all these steps and then you have to execute them without falling over and yeah. tripping yourself and, you know, you'd spin and, you know. Yeah, it never uh, happened uh, for me. I'd fall over all the time. Right. Secret. I'm I'm much happier at jujitsu because I'm on the ground. Already, and I don't have to exactly. worry about falling on the ground because I'm already there. So so talk to us then. So you were at this point, you were already a black belt, and, and where did jujitsu fall into the into the scheme of things? Um, yeah, some of my friends uh, at and it's another funny thing. Some of my friends at that school had started dabbling in in Brazilian jujitsu. And again, I hated it. Like they would grab me and say, hey, hey, let us try practice this move on you. Give me your arm. And I feel like, oh no, not this again. Guys, just leave me alone. This isn't my thing. Like, right. ugh. And um, yeah, I mean, it took a long time, probably at least another year. Uh, this was between my first degree and second degree black belt. I was kind of focused on teaching and, and getting um, my preparing for my second degree black belt test. The tests, they're grueling. Um, So, you know, again, I needed to be in peak physical condition and I was really focused on that. But um, part of it, I I was not very good at throws and throwing was part of what I needed to be good at. And especially if I was going to start being a sabanim and an instructor and be teaching other people, I really felt like I I was not doing this well. So one of the things... Um, when my friends started training over, um, um, and Kyle Kohler, as a matter of fact, mm-hmm. was one of the people who really, first of all, took my kid and got him in over at Harrisburg Brazilian Jiu-Jitsu. Um, and let's just, let's just uh, this is Kyle Kohler who sucks at Jiu-Jitsu. Oh, yeah, yeah I know. He's, he's the worst. I'm so glad he's gone. I, I am too. Yeah, well, you're not the only one. I feel like everybody says it every day. You're like, all right, guys, you ready to start class? Yeah, but just before we do, we'd like to say, thank God Kyle's not here. <laughs> yeah, but I am glad his mom stayed. Yes. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. I mean, he, um, yes, first uh, took my kid <laughs> over yeah. to, to jujitsu and then started needling me to, to come over and try it and everything. And, um, 
and at the time he was doing a lot of judo too right like that's that was his main strain at the time yeah yeah because that was one of the things that he and i had been working on at the other school trying to you know and he keeps saying check this out check this out check this out oh yeah more and more (laughs) And, and we we actually had worked out a thing that i was teaching him in the mornings and he wound up teaching me in the mornings and then pulling me over you know and just try it and one of the first things was Dave and Monica can help you with your throws yeah so I came over I did a couple private lessons just to work on my throws and um and then of course my kid was training in Brazilian jiu-jitsu and Dave was watching him choke me out on the mat and he said he's just going to keep getting bigger I think you need to start training in this yeah yeah. so I did you know the month commitment the group on or whatever and Mm -hmm. and uh just you know, everything clicked and I fell in love with it. And You've it, been there ever since. It was it was a lot of fun once it was me learning how to do stuff to yeah. other people instead of them just practicing stuff on me all the time and hurting right. me. <laughs> right. So right. once I could do a few things myself, then it, it became a lot of fun and I got really excited about it. So I have a question for you because you've gone through this cycle twice, okay, where um, you were the student and then you became the teacher. So, um, you know, we, we're all kind of like... Um, in this mode where, you know, Jeff and I do a lot of teaching and this has been a a huge growth curve for us. Mm -hmm. It's been a lot of fun. And, um, you know, we kind of try to allude to that sometimes on here, but talk about that. So, you, you know, you went through your, um, your Hapkido training, um, to where you became a teacher and then you also came into judo. You were the student again, and now you're the teacher again. Talk about that. Yeah, that was one of the things I really liked about um, when I came into jiu-jitsu was right as I was starting to teach more and, and earn the title of teacher at the other school, um, I was a white belt in another style. Right. And that, I think, really helps put you in that white belt mindset of, I don't know this. You know, and it's like when you're trying to teach a kid how to read and you, you're like, just read it, <laughs> you know? <laughs> and it, I think, gave me that sort of humility or or just put me back in that mentality of a beginner um that i think helped me help the beginners that i was teaching um you know at the other school so i I thought that was an important thing to um you know just kind of get into their head and, and understand from their perspective this is all new to them they don't understand that a front stance is supposed to look like this or you know that a yeah. 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 They're going to make rookie mistakes and that's normal and we've all been there and, you know. It's, right. It's, right. Yeah. yeah. I, I actually don't think that uh, anybody gives a shit. What Galino wants to know is, do you think he's a good instructor? He's just like, yeah, he's I mean, just poking this under it. He just got wanted you to, yeah, like, just, I mean, I'm beating around the bush. He's here. a little, like, he's a passive aggressive uh, sort. So. No, what you need to do is you need to become a white belt in a different style and then. You know what? True that. <laughs> Yeah. Which style? Well, I don't know. You try Taekwondo? CrossFit. 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 Yeah. CrossFit. The, world's, um. the world's hottest martial art. <laughs> <laughs> oh, yeah. Parkour. 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 <laughs> so, Kathy, what do you do for a living? I do neuropsychological evaluations. Yeah, okay, whatever. What yeah. do you really do for a living? I, what I wanted to do, I was getting my PhD in, in uh, like a neuroscience and developmental psychobiology, actually. I was doing research and I thought I'd be a college professor and I was, I finished all my coursework. I finished everything. Just had to write that 
damn dissertation. Yeah. And I thought this would be a good year to get married, have a baby. Yeah. Because yeah. I got no classes. I'm, I'm just going to yeah. relax. Sit and, around and take care of a baby and, and, read, and, write, my, write. and write my dissertation. Yeah. yeah. Piece of cake. <laughs> so, yeah. So that didn't work out. Well, so yeah, I mean, I strapped this baby onto my back and yeah. carried him to school every day into uh-huh. the library, into the lab. And, you know, then he started vocalizing and walking and I, yeah, I said, all right, this isn't working. Right. So yeah. So I didn't finish my dissertation. I will be ABD all but dissertation for the rest of my life, which is a thing. <laughs> and um, yeah, so you, get, you get all the respect, just no alphabet suit behind your name. Let's. I mean, no, she, gets zero, respect, she gets actually. zero respect. Yeah, 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 because I'm a quitter. She's like, you get all mine because I can't even spell what she is. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. No, I'm just, I'm just a plain quitter, is what I am. Yeah. But um, uh, yeah, I, I just don't I agree give with tests. her. <laughs> I, you know, look, I'm just trying to keep it real. Tough I mean, talk. Yeah. Uh, yeah, I, I give people tests. Essentially, I, I give them um, a battery of you know IQ testing or academic testing or memory testing or whatever for you know kids with ADD or adults with senile dementia or people with head injuries or whatever I whatever I get. So, so it's safe to say though that a lot of your career has to do with thinking. Yeah, I mean, I I really like thinking and reading and nerding about different topics. Right. So a lot of, a lot of your persona is analytical. And the only reason I bring this up is because (laughs) (laughs) I'll agree on that one too. Come on, man. (laughs) Leave her alone. You're thinking too much. Yeah. There's something, no, there's something super interesting about all this. And that is, you know, in, in terms of like you do, you bring a very analytical, analytical mind to, um, jujitsu, which of course we've, we've all like said and have heard that it is a, it is a chess match. I mean, there is a lot. Yeah. Of thinking, but more importantly, is that for and, and Pat can speak this too. Just recently had this sort of eureka moment, on, even on the way over here to podcasting today. Is that so much of what we do on the mat is not physical; it's a mental game yes. that you have to overcome. And you, the barrier is actually yourself. Mm. You know, it's not your opponent. It's about like, what am I not doing correctly? You know, and as soon as you're able to sort of you know crest that that peak, you know, things start to open up for you. Mm. And so, from your perspective. In terms of like you know learning these martial arts and and uh, and and having and applying a, a super analytical mind, in what ways has this affected your your growth as a martial artist, both good and bad? Like, can you talk a little bit about that? Yeah, I mean, one of the things I when we do our black belt tests and everything at the other school, the um, we have to write a paper. So my paper was. You had to write a paper. <laughs> yeah, yeah, you have to write. No wonder you couldn't get your dissertation done. <laughs> I did write my black belt papers. Um, uh, one of the things that I really focused on was sort of, and one of them was the neuroscience of of what we do and and how it um, how it affects us uh, mentally and you know hormonally and the neurochemicals and everything involved. And, and one of the really cool things about both styles is the flow state. That's kind of a catchphrase in, in neuropsychology. Yeah. Uh, it's um, when you become so absorbed in what you're doing, um, you, you kind of get in the zone that uh, all your other cares go away, that you're, you're just so focused on, um, you know, the minutia of the, the form you're doing or the uh, move or the role or whatever that... Um, you you lose track of time. You lose track of yourself. And and so this just happened to me yesterday. Me. Really, just happened yesterday. Here comes my car analogy. Oh, here it comes. So I'm driving. We've got kids in the car, and like I'm just cruising through these back roads. And if you don't know, my car is like fast. 
fast. And this thing was on rails. I mean, it, it, like the, the weather was perfect. We had the windows down. And like, it was almost as if I was going in a video game. It's just like, whoa, 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 whoa. And I get going. And, and my wife goes, hey, why are you driving so fast? And I like snapped out of it. I was like, I don't know. I was just, I was literally, I told her, I was like, I was just, I was just flowing. I, I was right. I was just endangering your lives and the lives of others. <laughs> but, I, but, but in that euphoria. flow state, like it was if things were slowed down and like, there, like you were saying, there's no time. It's just like, ooh. Right, yeah. beautiful. So I think that it, it's and it's true that I think that like for everything that we do, you know, whether it's work or whether it's you know martial arts or whatever we're whatever we're in the process of doing, we're always trying to reach that that mm-hmm. flow state. I know because I I was stuck in it. I was stuck in it at work all week last week. Like I I look at the clock and I'm like, holy <sighs> crap, it's six o'clock. Like yeah. what happened? Mm-hmm. You know, and I'm just you know I'm just firing. I just want to get one more thing done. Just one mm-hmm. more thing. I just want to you know. And I and I really I love those moments, yeah. and I find them. And I think for me uh, specifically, Brazilian Jiu Jitsu gives me more of those. It's like chasing that dragon all yeah. the time. It's, it gives me more of those per you know you know session than anything else. Yeah, I think it's important that like you know you have a plan and you have a little bit of pressure to get into flow state. You know, like you have to have a plan that like mm-hmm. you know if you think in like terms of work, which we all do, we all work. You know, if you go into work and you don't really have an agenda for the day and you're just kind of like, man, what am I going to do today? Ah, (laughs) Right. Like you don't actually ever kick into gear. And then the other side though is you got to have some pressure, right? Like you have to have something that, that causes you to focus. Like a goal or a deadline or something. Yeah. Which is why I think jujitsu does this, right? If you go into a role without a plan and you don't have the opposite pressure, you're really never forced into this place where you have to react and you just kind of start to, to just move yeah yeah right i know like if my mind is wandering while i'm trying to roll that's a sucky roll that's like and i i say things like i'm thinking too much i gotta get out of my head right yeah yeah yeah. like i just need to just shut it off and just roll right so i mean really like the flow state is about collecting all of the things that you've already learned and then just letting it go right right? and then allowing your body to do the things that it knows it can do Again, you become your own worst enemy because right. you're overthinking this position. You're overthinking it, and you'll hear me say this a lot in teaching. I'm like, don't overthink this move. It's because, mm-hmm. to be frank, like Brazilian jiu-jitsu in particular, like the moves are very basic. They're mm-hmm. not. I mean, at least the stuff that we teach. I mean, there are more complicated nuances and so on and so forth. But in terms of fundamental movement, like it's pretty basic. Yeah. Put your foot on the ground fall to your side, pick your other foot up if you're sweet. I mean, you know, yeah. these things are very like very primal, very basic in my opinion. And and I think that we stop ourselves so much with wondering or worrying if we're doing it right. Yeah. You know, or worse yet is as you start to accumulate knowledge, you're like, there's so many different things I can do from this position that I just, right. you know. Yeah. Which yeah. is why I'm, I, I'm a huge advocate for drill, drilling for skill. Mm-hmm. Like the more you can do a movement as mundane and boring, like you want your body to just do it. Right. Yeah. Right. Like right. you can force yourself to do it now, do it perfectly a thousand times in a row until your body can't do it anymore. Mm-hmm. And then all of a sudden when you're rolling and you're fresh, it just happens. Right. Yeah. You're like, you start moving in these ways that like, you're like, well, you have to understand like my body has done this so many times. I'm just used to pushing off that way. Right. Mm-hmm. Like I forced myself into that, mm-hmm. you know? And I just, I think drilling is such a, it's probably for me in my mind, one of the most important tools that we have. Yeah. And it's hard because you need to, 
have the time to do it. And then you also need to have a willing partner, partner. who's going to sit there and let you drill on them over. No, I'm still working on my husband, but he's like, don't yeah. touch me. Yeah, just, well, just stand um, still. Maybe yeah, if you'd just, make an honest man out of him instead of renting him. <laughs> <laughs> just lay here. You can yeah. watch sports. Just yeah. let me do the thing. But, um, you know, when we were doing like open hand forms, you can do the same movement yeah. over and over again. You can do the same form over and over again all by yourself and you yeah. don't have to bother anybody else. And then when it's time to do that, like the belt test they start the belt test with 50 burpees at the end of 50 burpees you're like fuck it i don't care what happens now and and that's when you get into that flow state where you can't even think anymore you're just doing this stuff and you're falling to the level of your of your repetition and your drilling and your training and you know it's not just this sport right like you know even people who practice uh drawing their pistols you know they'll put a target on the wall and they'll dry fire their pistol against the wall a hundred times in a row just to get that that movement down you know, it's in, in everything we do in comedy, you know, you're, you're going to practice that delivery every time. So the timing's right. And you hit that, that joke the way you want it to hit. And, mm-hmm. you know, you, I mean, you, you know where, how it feels right. Right. And after, after several thousand reps, you realize you're not funny and you go and do something else. Yeah, it's time to pack that one back. Yeah. <laughs> Start podcasting. <laughs> That's not a good joke. But, I mean, not to deviate too far from, from the topic, but we were talking the other day about um, the, this book that I read. Uh, um, What's the name of the book? Meditations on Violence, which was fascinating, but it, it was a little daunting, the fact that martial arts training doesn't always translate into real-world violence and real-world like police training or things like that, that, that if you you know, you're training in this, this style in a dojo with your friends and a referee or, you know, sure. situation where you, you know that in the back of your mind, you know, you're safe. It's a lot different than when you're on the street and somebody just surprises you and jumps you and right. that adrenaline and everything kicks in. It's a completely different situation that your training doesn't always train you for. And that was something I was thinking about, um, Rereading that book. Well, I think it, you know, and it brings us in, you know, of course we want to make sure that we are respectful of your time today, Kathy. And, and, uh, cause we know you got to get to work and all that jazz, mm-hmm. but maybe you can speak a little bit about this because such an important part of your, um, you know, your presence at the gym has to do with women's self-defense. Mm-hmm. It has to do with like practical application and knowledge in terms of like, you know, how does this stuff function? Um, if I'm a woman and I want to learn how to defend myself, um, in, and and I an appreciation with the, for the fact that I agree with you on this that there's o- there's only so many scenarios that you can train. Mm-hmm. Um, we try to make the nice thing about Brazilian Jiu Jitsu, of course, is that it's live. Like right. we know that we're fighting resisting opponents, and more importantly, is we're fighting trained opponents. So the so the caveat to it is is that like you know while it's you are technically safe in the gym with your partners or even in competition because you can tap and they'll let go. Mm-hmm. The truth is, though, is that you're fighting people who are trained as well. Right. And the likelihood of you running into somebody like that on the street is probably pretty low. Like, you're going to right. know more things than they are. <laughs> but speak to us just a little bit about, like, you know, your vision for, um, if you will, your vision for where women's women play a part in, in learning self-defense, uh, martial arts in general. But we can, if you want to focus on jujitsu, that's, that's totally cool. Like, I mean... What do you, what's your vision for that? Yeah. I mean, I think one of the most important things about the women's self-defense program is, is to teach the women that it's okay to set boundaries. First of all, I mean, you don't know that somebody's, um, going to cross your boundary until they do it essentially, until you set that boundary and give them the opportunity to cross it. And once you know that they're going to cross that boundary, then it's, you know, you have to be prepared for that. But, um, I think women hesitate to set boundaries because they don't 
know that they'll be enforceable. So when you're training in a martial art, um, you are gaining skills and strength and, you know, things like that. Hopefully you'll never need those techniques, but at least you know that it's there, that if you want to set a limit with somebody, set a boundary with them, that you are more likely to be able to enforce that boundary if, right. if the case calls for it. Same with our bully proof program with the kids. Right. I think it's fantastic that we're empowering the kids to look somebody in the eye and say, cut it out right. and mean it. Right. You know, and, and just to give them the confidence to do that, I think is a huge part of the women's self-defense program. Um, as far as translating the skills to a real life situation, I do think, I mean, you, you're limited no matter what you do, but I think it, to train safely in a dojo, Sure, but, um, we get as close as we can get, I think, with the live rolling, like you said, that, that you're actually doing something against resisting a partner and not some somebody who's going to really slowly throw a punch so that you can catch the right, punch. Right. Or, you know, it's like it's somebody who's not letting you do the thing and you're trying to find the, the right leverage, the right timing, whatever, to, to make it work even. And then also you've got somebody in your space is the other, I think, real important thing sure. is that you've got, you become desensitized to someone on top of you, smushing you, yeah. you know, you, okay, I've been here before. I need yeah. to take a breath, yeah. uh, control my breathing. Um, those kinds of things, I think, over years of training, you can, or, I mean, even months, when you, you start to get used to that and get comfortable sure. in uncomfortable positions. positions. Exactly, that's, that's, that's what we're looking for. really yeah. essential, I think, part of the training is that you can get that. Um, and that's not just um, physically, but in life. You know, if I'm uh, in a situation with a, a friend or a coworker or whatever that, that's uncomfortable, it's like I can manage that. Yeah, because your mental your mental game has already caught up. I mean, you've been in this, you've been in worse situations, right? Just this morning. Yeah, exactly. Right? So. At least this person isn't trying to choke me dead. You know, right, it's, right. Puts everything in perspective. It does. Starting it does. your day with you know your arms being. And I think wrenched. to your point earlier, and that is, you know, this is the way that I approach self defense on a whole is that you, you know, when you, it's not that you're going to win every fight, mm-hmm. right? But that you might beat me, but you'll never beat me, right? right. My mental game is so, like, my, my theory on this stuff is that at, at the very least, I'm going to give them hell, mm-hmm. right? Yeah. And I think for a lot of bullies in particular, when we're talking about kids and bullying, it just takes that one time for you to stand up. You may not, right? you may not win, and I put that in quotes, the fight, mm-hmm. but they'll, the likelihood of them messing with you after that is pretty low yeah because they don't want that that's not and i think i think attackers people who assault other people don't want that either they want people who are vulnerable and Mm -hmm. and won't fight back Mm -hmm. who won't resist and if you're able to if you're able to draw that that ground you know draw that line in the sand and say that that's the boundary right you know i think martial arts in particular helps a lot with that you Mm -hmm. know being able to stand up for yourself so and and i because there's so many steps that happen before the physical altercation occurs that can you can intercede right having that confidence well, and that's what we talked about with Monica, that if we're not good at effectively setting boundaries, then we're put into weird situations. And I think one of the, the most prominent ones is, is that what if it is someone in your life, in your circle, in your work circle or your family circle that crosses the boundary when, it, you know, like we look at some of these other self-defense 
you know, <laughs> systems that gouge their eyes, gouge them the, the eye balls. and rip their balls off. Yeah, right, kill, you know? them. Like, kill them. Yeah, I'm sorry. I didn't realize that you were just joking with me and I gouged your eye out. Right. right. Now yeah. I've got to live with this person. Yeah, the program we teach is it's scalable. You know, yeah. you can just very gently ah, good peel, point. Yeah, yeah, good just point. peel that, that grip off my wrist and, and look and say, you know, or, or just even the coworker who's like wants to hug you all the time that you can put your hands up and yeah, right. Just, no. just a little stiff arm yeah. and say, I prefer a handshake. Yeah. If, you know, just. It I say this all tools. the time. You know, not everybody's a hugger. Mm-hmm. If you don't like to hug, it, you don't, n- nobody has the right to hug your body. You know what I mean? Yeah, right. Like if you don't yeah. like to hug, put your hand out. Just know that's your boundary. And I, I've, I've told friends this before. You, you look awkward when, when you hug people. Like I can tell you don't like it. Uh, Stop doing it. It's your body. Right. You, you don't have to let people smother you with a hug if you don't enjoy that. Just that's your boundary. Know it ahead of time. Put your hand out. And I think that's what we're talking about. Like have a plan, you know, have, have those boundaries set yeah. ahead of time. And you don't have to get in these awkward situations where like someone's hugging you and you're like stiff arm in the chest. Like, bah! no, I said. No, <laughs> no means yeah. no. <laughs> yeah, it's nice to have something that's a little more scalable yeah. than that. Where, you know, somebody you're gonna have to see at work, you know, the next day yeah. or something like that. That yeah, you know, yeah. I mean, he tried to give the... me a hug. I gouged his eye out. <laughs> <laughs> now it's one eye Tom over here. It's like, do not hug Kathy. <laughs> yeah, don't hug Kathy. <laughs> do not hug Kathy. I think the uh, I think the the nugget of like of of uh, wisdom came out here at the end, and that is jujitsu is scalable. Yes, you know, and that's something that like I think a lot of people worry about. You know. It, it's not about, yes, can you kill somebody with Brazilian jiu-jitsu? Yes, you can. But you can also kill someone with a brick. <laughs> <laughs> Which is my that, preferred method. Right. It's just that you're more likely to kill them with a brick than you would be. You can scale Brazilian jiu-jitsu to the point where if you have control over your own body and you have control over an opponent's body or, or whatever, an attacker, you can decide. Yeah. Instead, then it's go. broken thumb, Tom. You're like, Tom, hide that in your pocket. <laughs> Until it heals, but now you know it'll touch me. Right, exactly. Yeah. <laughs> so, Kathy, it was awesome having you on the show. Yeah, we're gonna get to, we're gonna get down to the uh, what's on let's, your mind. Let's try something real quick. Okay, um, we're gonna try to see if Kathy can keep a straight face here. <laughs> it's not working. Some, it's already. <laughs> um, Kathy, um, convince me I'm wrong. Girls can't do jujitsu. No, keep a straight face. Get serious. Girls can't do jujitsu. I don't see any mats here. I was just gonna <laughs> exactly. <laughs> and there, and there's the answer. <laughs> <laughs> That's right. See, she's not afraid to prove it. And, and just, just so everybody out there, you're a third of my size, and we roll. I was just saying, we, we rolled this morning. I thought I did yeah. okay. Uh, not okay. She does great, and it's like trying, like for me, like she's literally a third of my size, and it's like trying to get like a, an army ant off of me. Like it's just, she's just attached, and I can't, like I can't make her stop. You just I, keep moving. I didn't bite you well yeah but you could have <laughs> and i wouldn't have been able to stop it you're right so, hey awesome so hey let's get started here uh I'm mr beck yeah what's on your mind i was thinking i was thinking on the way over here how hard it is <laughs> i'll just leave it at that <laughs> how hard it is I to mean, we, just didn't, we just didn't have enough like testosterone on this episode and, and no dick jokes no like you know how hard it is to pull out yeah and i'll stop there yeah how uh, hard it is and how hard it is of, of the writing a good the parking song. lot it's a good <laughs> it's writing a good song. shut up hey you know what 
He's so mad just at me real, right now. Just real quick. Just real quick. I'll digress. And, and Kathy, please, with all due respect, if you've got a split, totally understand. You can you can take off whenever you're whenever you're ready to rock and roll. But I'll tell you this much. So for ye- for two years now, we've run this six a.m. class, and every morning. Okay, every morning that we leave, Galino always leaves before me. Okay, and we we have a for those that don't know, we have a very precarious parking lot. And at a certain time during the day, it gets very busy and it's hard to get out of the parking lot because people always block the left turn out. Now, you can turn right and that's okay, and you got to go a little bit longer around. But for those of us that prefer to turn left, it becomes a nightmare. (laughs) And Galino, for whatever reason, every single time he goes, he gets a, he gets a clear spot every time out he goes and I'm right behind him. And I sit there for 15 minutes. (laughs) You get blocked every time. I get blocked every time. And I just made note of it the other day to tell him. And what does he do? But get in his car, drive off. I'm right behind him. And he goes right out. And then the next person pulls up and and (laughs) stops right in front of me. (laughs) So I sent him a text message. I'm like, fuck you. I believe you called me and then hung up on I me. I did. I did call you. I'm, <laughs> I'm like, I'm not talking to you anymore. Like, and hung up the phone. That's what happened. Uh, no, what's on my mind? I was thinking about how hard it is to write songs. Yeah. Okay. I was thinking about this because there's so many songs that I love that I love. I either love the break. I love the I love the bridge. I love the chorus. Or I love the, the verses. But I don't love all of them combined. Right? Yeah. So and I'll listen to an entire song just so I can get to the break. Or just so that I can get to the chorus. You know, or I'll listen, I'll have a, there'll be a great verse and I know the chorus is me, you know, and I'm like, uh, I just wish this chorus was better. And so when you get that like magical, like you get that magical combination of a good chorus, a good verse and a good bridge. I mean, yeah. I don't even know, man. It, like I was just thinking about how hard magic. it is to do that. But you know what? But then think about how easy it is. I mean, somebody has cracked the code. There are millions of songs out there that they, they just plug and play into a code because um, I, I always think of um, the uh, Blues Travelers, The Hook Brings You Back. Like the, 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 the song the is travelers. The, the song is, is a big screw you to, to the fact that this method works. The whole song, you listen to the lyrics, it tells you how to write a song. The hook will bring you back and you can't help it and you just love it. That's the song. Yeah, it's fascinating. Yeah. It is fascinating. Yeah. But if you want to write something original, that's not. You're, you're right. I mean, you're you're dead on. Well, it's impossible. For those for those of our listeners that don't know, I mean, I'm a I I'm a play in a band, and I and my bandmate is a terrific musician and a great songwriter, and uh, and and he writes original tunes. And I've been used to playing original music my whole musical career. So I mean, to me, like, and I've written songs, and some of them are okay, but nothing has been like. Yeah. Nothing like I'm like that's just magic. And I was just thinking about how hard it is to I've seen you live and it's pretty awesome for lip syncers. Yeah. <laughs> we're like the we're like the Milli Vanilli of like folk music. <laughs> Don't forget my number. <laughs> nice. You can blame it on the rain. Well, so so we got we got a transition here. Um th- this is great. So I'm at Hershey Park, which you know, we end up there a lot. And um Right. And uh I this is this is titled the Jersey Trumpet. <laughs> right, so there's a family, and they've got these twins wait, on a run. Wait, wait, wait. Galino's from Jersey, yeah. so like, yeah, I, I reserve the right. I yeah, mean, I've lived yeah. there for an, a lot of a lot of years. Yeah. Um, and and it's just this this way of talking that's it's a little harsh, and it's this is more like your your North Jersey, like outside the city kind of thing, you know, that come to shore. Right. And anyways. Um, two kids on the ride. We got three other kids that are like standing next to mom and dad and they're, they're, they're talking like, like Dom, Dominic, Dom, Dominic. <laughs> and he's like, he's like, what? And, and you know, the, the kids are on the ride. He's like, Zab, Zab, 
He's like, are you having fun? And it's like, what's the kid going to say? No, and be able to get off the ride. Right. He can't get off the ride. But it's like, it's, it it sounds like fingernails on a chalkboard. Dominic. Right? Right. And And the guy's right in my ear. And I'm going, dude. So I take a few steps over, and he walks over. Over to you, yeah. And honks in my ear again. You see my kid? He's having fun on the ride. (laughs) And then he and then he shouts at him again. Yeah, yeah. Dominic, well, Dom, Dom, what are we doing today? <laughs> oh my gosh! But it literally. So you had the most beautiful analogy for this, um, which which I thought was beautiful because it sounds like a, a knife on a plate when you're cutting steak. When you're cutting steak, right. tough steak. Yeah, tough steak. Dominic. <laughs> <laughs> oh yeah. Oh yeah. <laughs> <laughs> it's, I mean, it was just like this Jersey trumpet right in my ear hole. And I'm like, bro, I'm about to judo throw you. Yeah, I've had enough. So anyways. Anyways, Captain. Oh, yeah. Oh, yeah. Oh, yeah. <laughs> you can do as fast as you want. Or slow, like, Dominic. <laughs> oh, yeah. Oh, yeah. Oh, yeah. Oh, yeah. <laughs> hey, what are you having for dinner night? I don't know. <laughs> I don't know. Whatever we want. <laughs> yeah, whatever we want. <laughs> so, Kathy, what's on your mind today? Ah, it kills me. I'm sorry. <laughs> oh, yeah. Oh, yeah. It's so tender. <laughs> Dominic, don't push so hard. Okay. Dominic. Dominic. You don't have to push so hard. The knife is sharp. Okay. <laughs> 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 I, I'm in a flow state. I'm yeah. not thinking. I don't I know. This, I, this was fun. I'm, I'm really glad you guys invited me. This well, hey, you know what? Thanks for coming. We, you know what? Um, give a shout out to Kathy, the Savage Savage, <laughs> for being um, you know an awesome, dangerous damsel here. Um, they just gave a uh, what was that day in the park or park? Yeah, we did a um, like a, a presentation, show. sort of. Uh, highlighting some of the things that we teach in the Tuesday night class, um, just some of the techniques and uh, try to encourage people to come out and try it. I mean, it's, it's for non-martial artists. We got women of all different ages and shapes and sizes and um, they come out and they give this a try and you can see the development from the first week to the 12th week of the Mm -hmm. program. There's like, what you're going to touch me. You're going to sit on what? And then toward, you know, by the end they're comfortable um, rolling around with each other. And it's, um, It's really cool to watch how people change over the course of the, uh, of the program. And, um, you know, we're always in, the other neat thing is when the people get a taste of that and then they want to come to our Sunday afternoon class, which is women's only. And then they start to train in the gi. And then next thing you know, we have another woman training with us, which is fantastic. And the more, when you walk into a Brazilian jiu-jitsu school, I know when I first started, there were maybe five women. Um, you know, it's daunting because sometimes you're the only woman in the class and, right. you know, now we've got probably 20, 30 women regularly training with us. So that's, mm, it's yeah. just fantastic to see how that program has really, uh, grown and, um, you know, contributed, I think to the, the atmosphere at the school. Yeah. So if you're in the Harrisburg area, uh, Harrisburg BJJ and judo, be careful who you harass because you never know. They might be one of our dangerous damsels <laughs> or married to one. awesome well thanks kathy yeah thanks for having me we appreciate you hey pat what's on your mind hanover pa 
What's in Hanover, buddy? The Church of Satire. What? The Church of Satire? Church of Satire. Just uh, just a quick... Uh, church. I just want to give a quick shout-out to the Church of Satire. Uh, I've been talking about the perfect comedy club for years. Mm-hmm. Right? Lighting, uh, the way they treat talent, yeah. the way they... Uh, everything. Just the way it's set up, the way they handle shows and everything like that. And the Church of Satire in Hanover, PA is that place. Yeah. <clears throat> They were kind enough to let me do a show there Thursday night and uh, at the joke reveal party. Yeah. It was a success. So Beautiful. I'm going to be back in July. So look out for, and if you ever see a show there, go. And, no and when, what, when they're Pat almost says, always sold out. So I appreciate Pat you saying says that. They gave him a chance to go there and um, they're awesome and they're the best. He owns the place. So, <laughs> so he, when he says they, he means me. I know. <laughs> <laughs> so, um, Hey, Jeff, anything else on your mind? Nope. Are you ready to wrap this? I'm ready. Hey, you, you know how we should wrap this up today? What? How? Oh! Yeah. 